Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Paradox. You're yelling at us. Thank you. Nope. You're not welcome. Oh. This is Paradox, and I am Jimmy. I'm going to use my FM radio voice, the soulful tones of Tony Bennett, to take us to the top of the hour. Bill, is he drinking already? Yeah, he's definitely drinking already. What is going on? (laughs) This is Paradox, and I'm Billy. Oh, man. Who was that? What? Billy? Who was that talking? Mm -hmm. Billy's voice? Today, we're thrilled to be interviewing... Our fearless leader. Our executive producer, our general manager, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. our technical consultant, our technical director... Our fashionista. (laughs) And barista. And barista. Billy Lee Myers Jr. Hmm. The older brother. Many of you the wonder. The wise brother of Jimmy. Because the, the podcast, obviously, over the past couple of years has caught on like wildfire. Yes. To um, about 2,000 pieces of grass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we, we're huge. We're huge in England. No. The only reason Jimbo's saying that is he got into a tr- Twitter war with a listener from England. That yes. she's probably heard now. We now talk about have that. one less fan <laughs> in the UK. You alienated the entire yeah, what do you think English about population. Half. Good. You, Bill, worked so hard for this show, and I Jimbo, did. within seconds, just tears it wiped out half of our audience in the UK. Yeah. Oh, well. Easy go, but easy go. <laughs> because we are so popular, people listen because of 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 my intelligent content mm-hmm. but also because Billy makes us sound like NPR those are the two reasons that anyone listens yes uh, there's you you could think of no but those are the only two reasons mm-hmm. that anyone mm-hmm. in their right mind would listen and Josh's wisdom ah and thank you Bill insight mm-hmm. creative mm-hmm. see input. the lesson here is don't toot your own horn, and someone else will toot it for you. You, Jimbo, toot mm-hmm. yours a ton. Toot. You know, if your if your horn is worth tooting, toot it. Do you have a torn? If you got it, horn, flout it. A torn worth hooting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're talking. Oh my lord! We're talking to Billy today. Billy Bilbo. Yep. What else are nicknames? Uh, Bilbo. That's it. Hmm. Bilbo and, and Jimbo. Those were the two. Oh, growing really? Up. Growing yeah. up, Bilbo and Jimbo, really? Mm, yeah, well, <laughs> um, I grew up in West Texas, so this is also the first time we've ever done a three-person in-person interview. Yeah, nice. with someone in, in exactly. It's always in just the room. me staring at Jimbo, so this is nice. So Billy was went to the University of Texas. When you got out of the unit, you got an RTF degree. Yes, and you is that went ranch and farm. Mm-hmm. Radio, TV, film, oh, Josh. Okay. Radio, TV, film. And so upon graduation, you went to work where? I went straight into KLRU. KLRU. Those people that beg you for money. That's right. 
In fact, one time you got Beth and I up there to man phones. Answer phones. Somebody. That's right. Yeah, you yes. were begging for money at one point. And point. when people when people called, I just went, "I am so sorry <laughs> that you've had this guilt trip it. put on you." This is what annoying. was this event that you had to raise money for? I don't know what it was. Well, to keep it alive. You, yeah, public TV. They just hold uh, fun drives and constantly to keep keep on the air. I would have loved to heard mom on a phone <laughs> call. So she would have three thousand best friends. You were working for KLRU, and that morphed into what? Right. Well, I have started out there working at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. I'd sign on the transmitter, which is a, a, it, that's a terrible job, really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but weaseled my way into the Austin City Limits crew, which was, um, it was on season, I'm going to say season four. And I go, oh, I hope it goes to season five so I can work on that show. And now they're on season 40 or something. Sure. You know, they've been around forever. But, you know, they were expecting it to be canceled any time. So it's like, oh, I hope it just goes one more year because I want to work on that show. Because Austin City Limits was really ahead of its time. Just music video back in the 70s. It was. It was. In fact, you know, I just had uh, dinner with David Huff last night, the audio director on the show for all those years. And uh, we talked about that. They uh, We had stereo audio for music Long time before. There By was the way, sorry, time. ladies. This yeah, is probably we're getting the, the technical. Weeds. Oh yeah, you don't want to hear about probably that. Probably boring, yeah, yeah, yeah. but oh, never mind. Well, anyway, yeah, it was it was innovative <clears throat> back then. We had uh, stereo. We did no, I'm actually interested. Record. I was just apologizing oh. so you could go on. Yeah, we did uh, multi-track recording, and we had stereo audio. We would simulcast with FM radio stations, so you could watch TV and listen on the radio huh. and get stereo Whoa. that way. And that's the only way you could do stereo back in those that days. And that was, was better sound. Tell me about the old days, Grandpa. Well, <laughs> I, had a, I had a kid fancy. in my office. Uh, he's 16 or 17, and talking about landlines. Oh, right. Um, uh, um, Dial-up. And he was just like, what are you talking about? Who are you? So it's nice for me to be able to go back to the 90s and have someone not know what they're talking about. But <laughs> you, the 70s. Whoa. The 70s are a long time ago. ago. That's right. So you were with Austin City Limits as the audio supervisor. Yes. For 20? 20 years and 34 days. But, but who's counting? counting? <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a coat? Whoa. Did you hear that? The brothers. We did Whoa. at the same time. <laughs> People say we sound alike. Yeah. Do you guys think we do? No. Yes. I used to call for Billy at KLRU, and I go, excuse me, can I speak to Billy Myers? And they go, oh, Billy, click. And they would hang up on me. <laughs> Quit fooling around. You were with Austin City Limits, and you were rocking and rolling. You, yeah. You were there at the inception, and you worked many of the farm aids and those type things. Uh, we have found uh, out, you found out, that Darius Rucker does not like to be referred to as Mr. Hootie. No, no, he did not like that. I found that out the hard way. Yeah. Did you literally go up to him and say Mr. Hootie? I don't want to talk about that. There's this court order in you know, keeping me from talking <laughs> about that, so. We'll have to <laughs> move on. Me. Yeah. You know, when it comes to doing what you were doing, you like to refer to yourself as an audio savant. Yeah, I was such an insufferable egomaniac back then. I actually had a business card that had audio savant in my name, <laughs> and that was it. It was like, and then people go, uh, do you have a, a resume? Real, I go turn on your TV Friday nights at please, seven. Please, come yeah. on now. I don't need a resume. <laughs> so here you were for an audio guy. You were, you know, it was sort of the the for if you wanted to be a cool. Now, granted, you were for NBC and make a lot more money, but for the cool factor, you had sort of reached a zenith for what you were doing and who you were doing it with and how you were doing it. 
You take full credit for Lyle Lovett's career. I do. He'd be a complete failure for one uh-huh. for me. Because, yes. Got him on television for the first, our local TV show for the first time. So when Lyle got married to Julia Roberts. Oh, this is a good story. Take it, Bill. What? I don't remember this you story. You send him a toaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Billy sends Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts a Sunbeam toaster. For their wedding. For their wedding. Right. And what the did Julia wins. say? And Julia opens it up and says, Must be one of your friends. Must be one of your friends. <laughs> I don't see friends. Al Pacino sending me a sunbeam. <laughs> my friends, Richard Gere. Toaster. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> right at this time, you know, you've been there for 20 years, and this was good. The, you, were, you were the relative that everyone bragged on. Mm. Just like I sort of did my whole life. And then something... Brag on Billy or brag on yourself? No, brag on Billy being my older brother. And then something happens sort of out of the blue, or should I say out of the, the black. black. <laughs> That's right. I was walking backstage, and uh, it was early in the morning. No one was there. And uh, I was going to turn some lights on. They were going to do a, a show that afternoon in the ACL studio with Rabbi Telushkin. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> which uh, I Crowd think it was a, they did the show. It was a good one. But um, anyway, I, I, someone had left a piece of equipment over in, and I was walking in the dark. I was going to go t- turn the lights and on. And what's rule number one for the interns? Do not go walking backstage in the dark. <laughs> that is a bad yes. idea. And I tripped over this uh, this stuff and landed face first on the cement and uh, broke my neck and my pelvis and my arm and my elbow and wrist and broke a bunch of bones. People don't think doing audio So this audio would have been work. right around 2000, right? April 2000, yeah. Yeah. So I would have been 17, 17 about to be 18 that fall. And so I always remember you spent time with us at the house. Mm, I did. Convalescing. A week or two? Basically because of my nursing skills. Jimmy is very nurturing. So tell the audience about your nursing skills. Well, because we want to get to why he's here. Well, he's here because he's Billy. In order to replace the disc in his neck, they took a notch out of his pelvis bone. Mm-hmm. And he kept sniveling about how his hip hurt. Complaining. And I was just going, what is wrong? Come on, we got to do these exercises. Let's go, let's go. And I'm just pumping his leg, and he's like crying. And I'm going to be, Billy, <laughs> you're, you're, you're acting like an old woman. You're a grown man. And what do they do? I mean, old, old ladies, crippled, blind ladies have this surgery. They're not crying. Sorry if you're blind and, and so crippled. And so I'm just working his leg, and he's crying, and I'm calling him a wuss. He goes to the doctor, and his pelvic bone was snapped in two. <laughs> And Jimmy Jimmy's broke just my leg. And I'm leg. just working the leg. Because <laughs> we've got to do the exercise. The shards of broken bones were rubbing against <laughs> yeah. each other. So I, would, I, I thought about a career just as a, a home health care, because my nurture, it's a spiritual gift, really. You had a major life trauma, and, and, and everyone listening is going to have major life traumas occur. Yours was one that, in essence, ended your career because with the injury, you couldn't do the work that you, you had always done. You had an identity as being right. the audio guy for Austin Singley. It was who you were. Mm-hmm. And you were known around the country. Well, let's just say the world. Yeah. Now you're in a hospital with a broken neck and, thanks to me, pelvis. <laughs> and... 
you were at a crossroads as to what you could do, would do. What did you choose to do and why did you choose to do it? I think it's sometimes it's a blessing when God takes away the thing that's most important to you. That persona or that false sense of myself or who I thought I was was all wrapped up in the job. I was also a distance runner back then. Mm-hmm. And so that's the uh, my other identity. I couldn't do that once I broke my pelvis. And I think for a long time, I'd there for 20 years. And so I think for a long time, I was kind of looking for a different thing to do, or I kind of had done everything. And so I was kind of looking for something, but I was in, um, you know, I had golden handcuffs is what they call it. You know, like I was in a really great position mm-hmm. and I didn't feel like leaving it. I was called to do something else, but I didn't know what to do. Uh, God taps us on the shoulder sometimes to get our attention. And then sometimes God hits us on the head with a two by four. And I think I'm so stubborn and uh, short-sighted that I needed to be whacked on the head. And that that's what happened. And breaking your neck is an unpleasant. Uh, I don't recommend that to anyone. But for me, it was one of the best things that happened. Compared to the pelvis breaking, how would you... The neck or the pelvis? Pelvis, by far. Was the most painful? Much more okay. painful. Yeah, yeah, okay. that was fantastic. Did you even feel the neck, or did you just go numb? Well, I was unconscious. Yeah, just I was unconscious yeah. for that. And and that was the most serious thing. But yeah, pelvis, man, you can't roll over. You can't move. When that's broken, you're, yep. you're down. So what did you do? Okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I mean, you vacationed with Terry Lacona, the executive producer. and Right. Um, this was who you were. Right. How did you proceed from there when you were physically capable of proceeding? When I was in the hospital, I know this will be a shock for you to hear. I made friends with all the nurses and physical therapists, and they were in by by make friends. You mean hit on? Yes. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> okay. There's that. But um, no, I mean they were inviting me to parties, and so I got invited to a, a pumpkin carving party with uh, one of my physical therapists, Peggy Foff, who's still a dear friend of mine, and she introduced me to this lady who kept saying all these really weird things. She would say, high involvement, low attachment. And I'd go, what does that mean? Why are you saying this thing? Or the, allow the other person the dignity of their own process. She was just saying things that didn't make any sense to me. I didn't know where she got this. And so she was taking uh, psychology classes and picking these things up. And so she kind of dared me to do it. And I, I was bored. I didn't have anything else to do. And so I just went to a class and I loved it so much. I just soaked it up like a sponge. And I took another class, another one. I thought, well, shoot, I might as well get a degree in this. And uh, and I kept going and decided to make it my career. Plus, you had a lot of psychological trauma previously just growing up with a younger brother like yours. Jimmy. No, Jimmy was... um, Don't be gracious. He was was a delight to grow up. He was a great playmate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is that why you threw me off the roof? Well, I'm, Is that why you set the lawn on fire, handed me the matches, and left? I threw you off the roof because it was so much fun Welcome to Welcome to our ar- Christmas table. Mm-hmm. Army men with a handkerchief tied around them. They floated down. They floated down perfectly. Why wouldn't my little brother? Jimmy, it's science. Don't argue with me. Argue with science, okay? So you go back to school, and you now are a psychotherapist. I am, yes. But you also, your practice is spiritual. So this was not just something that happened to you physically. There was a, and I think I noticed, and everyone, there, was a, there was a spiritual renewal about your life as well when this occurred. Yeah, very much so. We were raised in the Baptist church, and I kind of grew away from the church. Coming down to Austin, I think I uh, 
uh, I, I was like, uh, my philosophy was hedonism back then. Uh, but yeah, and I, I think I was still thirsty and wanting to reach out for God, but didn't know how or didn't know what that looked like. And my first class there, I went into a, a class full of 300 people and our first little trio, you know, you sit down in a trio and do these exercises. And the first one I sat down, it was with a, a rabbi and a priest and I was a Baptist. So and a rabbi, you walked in a bar. <laughs> a rabbi and a priest and a Baptist walk into a bar. Right. Yeah, it was kind of like a joke, but I met people from all kinds of faiths. And then I took a comparative religion class and I was part of that class. I was required to go to a mosque and to a, a Catholic uh, a mass I'd never been to before and kind of exposed me to this whole world of, of spirituality. And it was like really interesting and it was cool to hear about how other people worship or, and I think, you know, that, that reaching out to God is universal. We all, now sometimes we reach toward alcohol or drugs or whatever, when we really are reaching out for God, we're like, help me, mm -hmm. you know, we're looking for comfort. Like I talk about Ruthie reaching out, she falls down and hurts her knees. She goes, she cries and reaches out to you and you pick her up and, and hold her. And I, I think that's that reaching out is is sacred. It's just we don't always connect. Well, it's like you know, from an anthropology perspective, they've there's never been a culture that's been dug up that was atheistic. Right, right. Uh, Every culture since the now there have been some forced atheistic cultures. Right, right. Stalin, for example. Right. But on their own, we we worship. Something. That's right. Just within the past 10 years, they found that untouched people group in New Guinea. I think he's making this up. Yeah, but it's good, so listen. And in the middle of the village, when they made contact, there was a bamboo Cessna airplane. Oh, and yeah. It was just like, well, I don't know what we were worshiping before, but this thing flew over and they said, okay, let's change and let's worship that. Right. That looks a whole lot better than the frog or whatever. We're always kind of yeah. reaching outside of ourselves. And to me, like, I can't, I couldn't really argue with an atheist and prove that there's God or anything, you know, like maybe there's God's the great mystery. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But for me, it just, it makes sense. And that it, you know, it makes me feel connected to higher, to everything, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if God's this uh, old guy sitting on a cloud with a computer keeping <laughs> track of everybody who's nodding and nice. Yes, he is. It could, could be that. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, my uh, current uh, boy crush, uh, uh, Richard Rohr, he's the guy that I was talking yes, to you about. Yes, you were talking about. Yeah. And uh, so he, he says that he doesn't know if God's a being or maybe God is the interconnectedness of being itself. He's just like all of us connected together. And I, you know, that's about as good as definition, I think, as you're going to get uh, of God. But it makes the world make sense to me if there's a God in it. And mm -hmm. so, so let's go from there. And so describe your practice now. Well, yeah, I do. I practice spiritual psychology and I work with a lot of couples and relationship issues. And I work with a lot of individuals, a lot of folks that have been wounded by their faith of origin, you know, and are kind of adrift. A, a and uh, those are Man, I love I love working with those guys. I do have some atheists and agnostics in my practice. Mm -hmm. There's just something about it, you know. We're talking about God being everywhere, you know, and um, I, I think I I'm getting to the point where I can see God in everyone that I meet and everyone that I talk to in a in a, a deeper way. I can see that that divine spark inside of them. Sometimes it's hard to see it, you know. I have to go digging. And that's the thing, it elevates this work. You know, I think therapists in general are just awesome people. Mm -hmm. uh, but that spiritual component elevates it from a good 
job to a sacred endeavor. When Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And when you've not done it to the least of these, you've not done it unto me. That there's that that presence of God in the poor, in yes. the needy, in the sick, those in prison. Uh, so thank you for being here. If you could tell, as, as we're just kind of winding this thing down, if someone is in the midst of a life-altering trauma from someone who has been there and has lived to see another day, what would you tell them? Well, I will say that the, the folks I was in rehab with, the hospital, the people that had hope and faith kind of went on up and the people that didn't have that kind of spiraled down and got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And I would say having hope and faith inside of yourself, that's the demarcation. And then the faith, the faith in God and faith in yourself and faith in, in the, the process of, of getting better. Well, Frankel, in his book, you know, The Ultimate Search for Meaning, yeah. you know, he says the people that survived the camps yes. are the ones that found meaning and yeah. those that didn't just gave yeah. up. Yeah, boy, that's a great one. I love that guy. That's one of the most influential books of the 20th century, yeah. uh, by the way. That's what I want to do. I want to, I want to move myself. I, I see faith as this North Star. And if I get off, blown off course, I just look at God, I look at that North Star, I look at kindness and compassion, and if I can take one step in that direction, then I'm doing good. And so, yeah, just take one step in the next one and just pay attention where you're going. It has to be a, a divine endeavor, and you probably constantly have to find your North Star working with these two jabronis mm-hmm. sitting to your left. Oh, you guys are a joy. I love the paradox. I'm a big fan of the paradox. I love working with you guys, and I just think you do wonderful work. Well, you are a paradox with us. Oh, yeah. Which is a paradox. It's a, it's three a par- people would be in a pair. <laughs> of but, a dox. Mm-hmm. Billy, where can they find you? Well, I'm at therapywithbilly.com. I have no social media to speak of, so, but... Uh, man. Therapywithbilly.com, and that'll get you to my website. Paradoxpodcast.com. You can go to his tab, and it'll also get you over there. Good. Jimbo? Yes. Anything else? Yes. He does have something. I do. Are you you emailing somebody? Oh. (laughs) Oh. Now, it's been a while (laughs) since I broke out the mariachi band. Yes. Quiet, boys. We'll pay you in a minute. Um, but you did make the wall as being one of uh, our favorite guests nice. for this season. Therefore, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, we are going to go with you yes. to Enchiladas y Mas, and we'll go Dutch. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. So you don't have to pay for ours. Well, we're just going to go Dutch. That's a step in the right direction. You're not going to pretend to forget your wallet no, this time? Yeah, no. okay. We're going we're gonna to pick up our half. That's nice. Yeah. That is like Christmas to me. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. And thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Bill. You're also going to catch him on one of our content episodes. And so he's going to, we're going to turn around and record another content. So you're going to get Bill for two, two episodes two. To, to end the this Bye. particular season. But if you want more information about this show or any of our shows, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find our socials there. We hope you enjoyed the show. Jimbo's goal today was to not use notes. So Billy and I, our planners, we actually sat down and planned out an episode. Mm-hmm. Jimbo sat down about 30 seconds before yep. we recorded and said, let's go ahead and talk about your trauma and how <laughs> resilient you are. 
and then it like turned into such a better episode than we could have ever. Right, right. <laughs> I don't like to squelch the Holy Spirit. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, I like spontaneity. Yeah, yeah. So, enjoyed it. See Take ya. Care. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. At a time when we were, we fought all the time. And yet, I constantly looked up to Billy, constantly wanted to be like him. And so parents who have these sibling rivalries, you're caught between what's normal, what's not normal, because again, we fought all the time and yet just really close today.